last few weeks have been a blessing to you as you've studied through this simple and significant prayer. For me, God has really helped me clarify some things in my life and really look at this prayer like I never had before. You know, I'd heard it all of my life. I learned it. You know, I went to one of those Sunday school classes where you had to learn certain things in order to get certain treats. Did you grow up like that? We had to learn the 23rd Psalm and the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments, and, and uh, we had to learn the Lord's Prayer. And if we did all of those things, we got something. And at that point in my life, I was, I was well rewarded with some candy or maybe, and I still have it today, if I accomplished it all, I got a little New Testament. And it was a blessing to my life. Some of you may have done something like that. And you learned it. You, you memorized it. You went through it. But you know, there's something different about coming back and really pouring yourself into God's Word, His Scripture. I mean, yes, it is important for us to memorize it. I, I am so thankful for the folks here that work with our children in particular, that work with the Bible drillers and somehow help them as they learn God's Word. It's so important to get it. But you know, as you grow, you're able to kind of dig into it more. And how rewarding, how blessed it is to be able to hear God's Word and for Him to instruct us even in passages that we've heard so many different times. Over these last few weeks, as I said, God has really spoken to me. He has blessed me as I have studied this. And I pray that you have too as we've been on this venture. You know, today we look at verse 13, the first part of verse 13. And we recognize this is when Jesus is wrapping up His prayer. Actually, the words we use today, I think, are the ending of Jesus' original prayer. We'll talk more about that next week. But here, Jesus has given us some things to pray for, some things to think about in our communication with Him. He has taught us to approach, to approach God as our Father and for us to be concerned with His fame over all of this world. That's really what He was saying when He prayed, Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. When he prayed that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, what Jesus was praying is somehow that the fame of God would be known among all nations, that his name would be exalted above all, above everything else. And then a few weeks ago, we moved into verse 11. It's hard to imagine it's been weeks ago that we were in verse 11, right? But we were there, and we talked about God's provision for us, physical provision. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we can, but Jerry, I don't know if you could put verse 11 up. There you go. I want you to see this once again. Jesus teaching us to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So he says, we're to pray for our daily provision, for God to provide for us physically. Then look at verse 12. Notice what it starts with. Those of you who pride yourself on your grammatical skills, what is that first word in verse 12? And. <laughs> grammatically speaking, the part of speech that and is. There you go, a conjunction. Some of us who grew up in the 80s, 90s, you remember that little... Uh, cartoon that came on conjunction function what's your function i may have messed it up leslie said i did but 
conjunction, junction. What's your function? You rem- some of you remember that, right? Some of you, there you go. They still show it today, I think. But it's a conjunction, a coordinating conjunction. In other words, verse 11 says, God, we need you to provide for us physically, and we need to make sure that we're including this. We need for you to provide for us spiritually. We need our daily bread, but God, we need forgiveness from you. Okay, let's look at verse 13. It begins with a what? Conjunction. Those of you who are listening, conjunction. Notice it connects. A conjunction connects. Verse 11 is connected to verse 12. Verse 12 is connected to verse 13. They're all connected together. So basically as you follow this progression, as I said, God has really blessed me in this study because I don't think I'd ever realized this before. That what we pray for is our physical provision. But then we come to God and we say, God, we need you to forgive us of what we've done. We need to be in right fellowship. But get this. And God, we need you to help us that we will not sin again like that. We need your guidance in our lives. We need you to do something. So get this. We need physical provision. We need the forgiveness from the sins that we have committed. But God, also, we need guidance that we would not do that again. In verse 13, as Jesus closes this time of prayer, I really believe he is saying that, God, we need your help. Father, we need your help in our pursuit of holiness in our lives. You know, I praise God for the forgiveness he has given us. Friends, he has blessed us with forgiveness we never deserved. He has given us grace and mercy for things that we deserved great punishment for. But he forgave us. He blessed our lives. He has worked in our lives. But also because he has forgiven us, because we have repented of our sins, that means that we are committed to something new and fresh in our lives. It means that we are committed to the pursuit of holiness and righteousness in who we are. Leslie and I were discussing this passage this week, and we both began to talk about how it just seems in so many different areas, not necessarily not pointing fingers to you, or, but I'm just saying in so many areas, even in the church's life, we're good on the forgiveness part, and we come and we ask God for forgiveness, but we forget that we need the guidance so that we don't do these things again. We forget that we are committed to a pursuit of holiness in our lives. Instead, we just kind of dismiss things. We dismiss our actions. We say, oh, it'll be forgiven again. Why are we worried about these things? We are worried about these things because Jesus Christ taught us to worry about these things. We are worried about these things because sin itself will separate us from the great fellowship that we need with the Father. So when we pray to God, we pray to Him, and we say, God, we need you to guide us. We need you to give us strength. We need you to provide the victory that you alone can provide. And I think that's what you see in the opening words of verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's where I want us to think for a few moments today. And really, as we come together, what we want to pray, what we want to say to God is, Lord, it is your lead. We need you. 
We need that strength. We need that guidance. So God, what we're going to say together collectively is it is your lead. You are the leader of our lives, and we're going to submit to that. We're going to pray to you for that leadership. Again, lead us not into temptation. I believe it is a prayer for guidance and strength. Some people may read that, and they may be confounded. When they hear these words in verse 13, do not lead us into temptation. Some may ask the question, would God lead us into temptation? Would God lead his children into temptation? I mean, if you hear what Jesus is saying here, for some people, they're confused and they think that Jesus is somehow insinuating that the Father would lead us into temptation. Let me say this to you today. Our Father above never leads us into temptation itself. Never. Our God is a holy God. He is a perfect God. He is a pure God. He has nothing to do with sin. And he never will. He will not lead us into sin. There may be tests in our lives. And yes, under his sovereign rule, he may allow temptation to come. But he is not leading us into that temptation. James. James writes and he speaks these words very Clearly, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James said, don't try to put God on the hook for the sin in your life. Some of you are trying to blame him. Oh, God just brought me to this point. No, God did not bring you into temptation. He says, you brought yourself in your own desires and your own enticement through your own sinful behavior you have brought yourself to this point our god is the father of lights he is the one who gives all perfect gifts good gifts to his children and there's no change in him he is a holy god so with that being said let me make these statements today okay and that is first temptation is real temptation is real Sometimes when I try to find the principle behind these verses and sometimes when I'm trying to communicate that, I, I write these things down like I did here, temptation is real, and I think to myself, how simple is that? And then, of course, I'm not surprised because I realize how simple I am. I mean, I'm just kind of a simple individual, and the way I understand things, I understand it simply, and I just wrote it down. I said, temptation is real. I bet that sets people on fire. I bet they say, I've never thought of that before. I struggled with it this week and thought, well, you know, maybe I ought to kind of try to beat that up a little bit. But really, when I come to this passage, the idea of leading us not into temptation, Jesus is basically saying, hey, temptation is real. It's a real thing. It's something that is real in our lives. The testing, 
the temptation. It comes to all of us. This day in this place, most of us recognize that temptation is real because we struggle with it. We struggle with it often. We struggle with it consistently. Some of you who are here today, you'll say, but I'm a believer in Christ. I've accepted Jesus. I know the power of God in my life. He has saved me, but Brother Reggie, I still struggle. And I want to say to you, those of you who feel that way today and who come and think there's no way that you must be a Christian if you still struggle with temptation, let me just say to you, you got a lot of friends here today because there are a lot of us who are saved by the grace of God, we've been forgiven, but we still struggle with temptation. We still struggle with issues in our lives. Just because you're a Christian, do not think that somehow you are removed from temptation. I would suggest to you that if you're a believer in Christ and you're trying to serve Him, oh, temptation is going to come your way. It may be multiplied in your life. Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 4, just a, just a couple of chapters before he gives this Sermon on the Mount, or as he speaks these words of prayer, just right before that, after he is initiated into his public ministry, he goes into the wilderness, the Spirit of God controlling every aspect of his work and who he was and how he responded. He goes into the wilderness, and there he is tempted. Temptation itself is not sin. Did you hear me? Just because you are tempted does not mean you have sinned. Jesus faced temptation. He faced it at that moment, and if you read what the Word of God says, it says to us that Satan left him, but only for a season. So in other words, he came back and tempted him again. Jesus, who remained spotless, who was perfect, who there was no deceit nor guile in, faced temptation, and yet he did not sin. Temptation can come in our lives, and it will come in our lives. For those of us who are believers, we can, we can count on it. And I'm convinced, as I've read the Scripture and as I've even noted it in our personal lives, that there are some areas that are especially, well, they're especially vulnerable for us. There's some of us in this place that these are the temptations that we have. And it's kind of like the forces of evil recognize that. Now, the forces of evil are not omniscient. They don't know all things. But they can observe our lives. They can tell those issues we have trouble with. And what happens is that they bring those issues to us and they tempt us in that area. Let me maybe illustrate this for you. And I'm kind of doing this on the fly because I see like you might need a little illustration to wake you up this morning. So not sure how sometimes when I do this on the fly I'm not sure how tight these illustrations are but I'm going to give it to you anyway let's say 
that there's a temptation that comes to me. Let's say I drive down to Baton Rouge. I attend, it's hard for me to say this, an LSU ball game. And I'm there, and I'm in the stands, and I get caught. Maybe the temptation is that when I'm there at that LSU stadium, the temptation, temptation may be to root for them, but the temptation is that I'm going to get mad at somebody because they're rooting against the LSU Tigers. The the, actually, that's not a temptation for me at all. Okay, see, let me just say, I told you to break down because that's not a temptation for me. When somebody says something about LSU, I'm not going to be tempted to get mad and say something back. I'm not going to do it. Satan knows that, so you know what he does? He never tempts me in that area. But there are some more areas that are tender. Shouldn't say this again, but I'm going to put it out there. You know, sometimes I just say things I shouldn't from the pulpit, but... You say something about my wife? You say something about my children? I promise you I'm going to be tempted to respond in the flesh. That's a true temptation. It is. It's something I've struggled with. Look, I came from one of these enmeshed families. Where are you folks? Some of you with me here. Enmeshed families where it was all so close together. and I mean, you it was... One for all and all for one against the world. If you said something about the family, there was the temptation that you would respond negatively. I come from that. I'm saying to you that the forces of evil know your spots of temptation. They know your weaknesses. And they will come at you. They will try to destroy you before you know it. I've never had a problem with alcohol in my life. Never. I don't say that braggingly. I just say to you, I never, I don't like to smell it, much less think about drinking it. It makes me nauseous. I've never been tempted to get drunk ever in my life. But that doesn't mean that I'm pure in everything that I've done. There are other areas of my life that Satan knows that he can attack that he can come at me with. Things that are just as vile, if not more vile. And he'll bring temptation. I started to stop today and just say that I'd like for all of us to pause and maybe take a piece of paper and, and write down that one area that you believe you can be most tempted in. But then I realized none of you do it. And I don't know if I blame you. Because if we wrote it down on paper and somebody else would happen to see it, but we all know it's there. And perhaps instead of just writing it down, maybe those of us in this place right now ought to just think what is that one area? that we're most tempted in. What's that one area? Oh, you know what it is. You don't want to admit, but many of you know what it is. If you don't, just go back and look. 
Where does Satan attack you again and again? Why is he coming at you in this one area? Is, is it because there is great temptation? See, we come to God and we say, God, Father, lead us not in that temptation. God, we need your guidance in this because we know the temptation is coming at us. We know it is real. We know it is powerful. We know it is strong. We know without you we could not overcome it. God, we need you. We need your guidance. If you think you can't overcome it without God, you're already, well, you're already set up for failure. Because even though you're a believer, you still can't do it on your own. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome these things. And sometimes you just need prayer for wisdom and guidance that he would provide a way of escape. He would give you a way out. That he would give you wisdom to flee from every appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said this. He said, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, such as is who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He says, our God is faithful. When you face temptation, no God is there. And when you're seeking Him, when you're hoping to to see victory through this, God is the one who can bring victory. And you know he can provide even a way of escape to you. There is nothing wrong with running. There's nothing wrong with escaping. There's nothing wrong with fleeing. It's what I call, and this is my own personal one, you can tell because of the simplicity of it, I call it the gingerbread man principle. You remember the gingerbread man? Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. We need some gingerbread Christians who run as fast as they can from the temptation that comes their way, who plan for purity. Listen, if you know there's going to be an issue of temptation when you go to that party, don't go to the party. We set ourselves up so often. We put pressures on ourselves that God never would. We put ourselves in that place of temptation. You got an issue with a computer? Put the computer in front of everybody else. Put it in the middle of the room. Plan for purity. Deal with temptation. God can give you a way of escape. And it's not that hard. Last night, Leslie and I and a couple or so went to uh, an establishment around Monroe. I hate to admit that I was in Monroe on a Saturday night. You know I'd be tempted. If you go to Monroe on Saturday night, there's going to be temptation probably. But we went to... What is it? The Southern Escape. Is that it? They lock you in a room. They put you there and they give you clues on how to get out. You got one hour. You got to unlock locks. Some of you have done it. Unlock locks. You got to go through all kinds of things in order to get out of there. 
I didn't make it in the hour time. I'm still aggravated at it. But may I say to you that when Satan puts you in a room like that, he's not going to give you just an hour. He's not going to come in his own grace and mercy say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and let you out right here. He's not going to do that. But listen, I promise you the God of heaven cares about you and loves you. And if you go to him and you're seeking him in that temptation, he will give you the power. He will give you the strength. He will give you the wisdom. He will provide a way of escape for you. I'm convinced of it. We just need to come back to him and say, Lord, it is your lead. I know temptation is real and I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. And listen, don't forget that these personal pronouns here are plural. Lead us. That's just a reminder that we need to be praying for each other as well. When you think about me, pray. God, give him everything that he needs. Give him the wisdom. Give him the strength to overcome this temptation that comes to him. When I look at you, when I think of you, I am to pray for you. Because I know that temptation tries to encompass all of us. And it doesn't matter if you get up on Sunday morning and if you are good and you're coming into this church to worship, temptation is still going to follow you. Don't think you've got it whipped. Don't think it's not going to attack you. It still will. Temptation is real. Let me give you this second truth and this second principle. Closely tied with the first. It's hard to even separate them, but let me try to. The second truth is that Satan is real. Temptation is real and Satan is real. Deliver us from evil. Now, if you go back to the original language, and it's, I think, demonstrated by some of the other translations that some of you have, this is not just a statement about evil. It is a statement about the evil one. There's a definite article there. Deliver us from the evil, the evil one. Deliver us. That word deliver was used in instances which spoke of severe and acute danger. And what we do is we come recognizing that Satan is real. And we pray, God, we need you. We need your power. We need your strength to be delivered, to be rescued from this evil one that is coming against us. Too many have dismissed the identity and the person of Satan. You know what we've done in so many of our areas today is we have allegorized him into non-existence. We've promoted this idea that Satan is just a literary technique. He's just a figure to speak about evil in general. No. Satan is a person that is coming after Jesus Christ church. He is coming. And his cleverest while is to try to convince you that he is not real. The Bible teaches us that there is a person 
there's an individual that we call Satan, the adversary. Again, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus confronted him, right? It wasn't just confronting evil. He was confronting the person of Satan. Paul called this individual the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Peter, well, he said that he is, he's this old foe, the devil, who is walking about, about like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he would devour. Peter knew he was a person because he had tangled with him in different instances as well. Remember that night before Jesus was to die, Jesus looked at Peter and what did he say? He said, Satan's asked for you. He's asked for you by name so that he can sift you like wheat. Can you think about that just a moment? That Satan would ask for the child of God so that he could bring temptation into his life. He could try to bring failure into his life. Peter knew he was a person. He knew what he was about. He was coming against the church of the Lord Jesus. And he was going to attack at every point possible. Now I'm not saying to you everything that happens is because of some demonic influence around you. I'm not saying that. I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, but let me say to you, there are some bushes filled with demons. Satan's not the one always attacking us, but you can count on it. His minions are running around trying to attack us. It is a real threat that comes into our lives. But you never forget this. As powerful as Satan is, there is one who sits on the throne that is more powerful any and every day. There is a God, there is a king who we worship, who can overcome him, who can defeat him, who has already defeated him through the cross and the resurrection. And when we pray, deliver us from the evil one. God, we need you to protect us because we can't do it ourselves. We can't come against Satan by ourselves. We cannot come against this evil establishment. We can't do that. But God, we believe when we pray, deliver us from evil, it is faith that you have the power to do this. And we need you to come into our lives. I do believe this. Some of you may argue with me afterwards. And I know I've said this several times recently, but I'm going to say it again. If you argue with me and you disagree, that's fine. You're just wrong. But if you... <laughs> I do not believe a child of God... I don't believe Satan can possess a child of God in any way. But I do believe a child of God can possess evil influences in their lives. There's a difference. We can talk about it on later day when i got more time. I don't think... I don't think Satan has any authority to come in the child of God's life unless we give him a foothold there. Unless we invite him into our lives. Now I'm talking about, yes, temptation may come. But again, that's not inviting him in. Temptation is, is, is something outward until we, until we disobey, until we decide we will give in to temptation. Then it becomes something that is inward where we have given him place in our lives. Tertullian, the old church father, described it like this. He, he gave a, 
an accounting of a moment when a woman had come to know Christ, but she had always enjoyed the gladiatorial games, and she continued to go to those games. At some point, some devil had influenced her. They call forth at that time in the church's history and life, they brought forth this exorcist. The exorcist came and asked, what authority or how dare you enter in to a Christian woman? How dare you demonstrate influence? To which Tertullian reported in his files that the woman replied, I had every right, or actually the demon inside said, I had every right. I found her on my own ground, and I had a right of influence over her. May I say to you that we as Christians, we should never invite Satan in to our ground, and we should never tread upon his. We should strive for holiness in who we are. We should know that we have the power to overcome Satan and sin itself. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You don't doubt it. You know that Satan is real, yes, but God gives you the strength to see a rescue and deliverance in your heart and life. No one in this place can say, well, the devil made me do it. Nope. Because if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God lives within you and gives you the ability to overcome that temptation in Satan himself. How great is this? That our adversary, the one who is called the accuser, the one who would bring charges against us to God himself, that he has already been demonstrated a liar. He has already been demonstrated a defeated one. And we can stand in victory over him. If you... uh, Days ago, I, I went on uh, John Piper's website and was looking over some of his thoughts on the Lord's Prayer and specifically in this area. And as I was working through that, as I, I was reading different articles, I found an article that was entitled, Load Your Guns with Some of These Anti-Satan Shells. Well... My rural hunting background drew me to that. And I started just looking at it. Then all of a sudden, I realized it was just Scripture. And I want to close with this. I know it's a lot. Andy wasn't able to get them all in for you here. Some of you are going to jot them down. Leslie said to tell you to read them in my tidings article this week. I put them in the tidings article for the two of you who read it. And you can get it from there, all right? But let me give you this as a boost of confidence that we are the victors through Jesus Christ. Let me give this to you as we close today, okay? John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2, 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, That is the devil. Colossians 2.15, God disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. John 16.8 and 11, when the counselor comes, he will convince the world of judgment 
Because the ruler of this world, he is judged. Acts 26, 16 through 18. I've appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you to serve and bear witness. To open their eyes that they may turn from the darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to the power of God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. James 4, 7 through 8. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 1 Peter 5, 8. Resist him firm in your faith. Ephesians 6, 11, 16. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. 1 John 2.13, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And I love this revelation. Okay, let me get excited. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Revelation 21, 10. And the devil who had deceived them. The charge against the devil is that he had deceived us. He had tempted us. He was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever because Romans 8, 37 and 39, I am sure that neither angels nor principalities nor powers nor Satan nor the devil himself will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May somebody say amen this morning. <laughs> Folks. I'm not a charismatic, but I get happy when I see that Satan has been defeated. When our God has the power over him, and what a litany of a message. How the verses are so clear that we can be delivered from the evil one. And the Father has the power. We have to come to him. Knowing temptation is real. Satan is real. We have to come to him and say, Lord, we need you to take the lead in our lives. This is something we can't handle on our own. God, this is something that's going to destroy us. It's going to destroy our families. It's going to destroy our lives. Satan will come every time seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll do it. You've got to come now. You can't put it off. You can't somehow dismiss this temptation from your life. You can't somehow think that it's some false narrative that some preacher is preaching. It is real and it will destroy you. But you can come and say, God, I need you to take the lead. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need the power that you said that you had to defeat Satan. I need that power in my life through the Holy Spirit. I need that to occur. I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters. I appeal to you this morning, those who are struggling. I appeal to those who are in the midst of a struggle. I appeal to you to surrender to him. To cry out to him for his leadership and to pray. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. May we join ourselves in prayer. Asking God to not only lead us. But to lead our church. His people. Let's pray. Father. God, I come to you this morning. And there are my brothers and my sisters 
in this sanctuary. They're in the gathering right now, Lord. And God, they are struggling. Temptation is coming to their life. And in so many ways, they have surrendered and they've succumbed to it. God, I pray first that you will provide forgiveness for them as they repent of that sin. And God, that you would give them clarity and purpose today to overcome it in their lives. God, I pray that you would make us a pure, holy people longing for you, striving for you each and every day. May we not let this holy moment pass without doing business with you here in this place. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand this morning?